1: Well
0: Wow I
1: was really trying to do it at the same time as
0: <laughs> you. well. I, I saw you do this big wind up. <laughs>
1: dang it, I shouldn't have telegraphed it. You're trying Sorry, to you're
0: trying to it. usurp my role. No,
1: I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get on par, is okay. all. I'm okay. just trying to be, you know, you get to do it all the time and every now and then it's like, you know, I don't want
0: to do Casey, would you like to do the intro? No. Please. Alright.
1: Welcome to Completely Arbitrary. I'm Casey Clapp. And I'm
0: Alex Croson. <laughs>
1: Panic. What else do I say?
0: <laughs> Your eyes did get <laughs> frighteningly wide. Because
1: <laughs> I immediately forgot every other word that you always say.
0: Yeah. It's usually like, what's up, Fungal Associates? Uh, hey,
1: everyone. I'm Alex Cool Croson.
0: <laughs> Alex Cool Guy Croson. Yeah. All right. Casey Cool Sorry. Guy Clapp. You do it no we're gonna keep all of that
1: oh all right welcome to completely arbitrary the podcast about trees and other such items as things and et cetera's like dirt that's not dirt it's called soil
0: i suck at this swish
1: anyway (laughs) thanks alex (laughs) <laughs> Casey clap how you doing pal oh i'm just doing great played a bunch of sand beach ultimate this weekend sand beach ultimate that really? sounds
0: exhausting it is
1: quite exhausting every time you try to run this the ground beneath your feet gives
0: out because it's just sand yeah oh well a great workout
1: yeah i feel like i got a good workout and on top of that you uh you can lay out all the time because it's just sand it still hurts a little bit but no. not near as bad as grass and you know hard fields
0: by laying out you mean fall oh
1: no, no yes fall with uh with a composed goal in mind oh
0: like reaching for the frisbee yes and you, ju- you dive for it
1: exactly yeah okay. that's exactly falling
0: it. out reaching out
1: uh laying, laying out. out yes okay. laying out uh in the frisbee parlance they call it bid Bid, yeah, like you bid for it. Wow, you get it, and like you, you, you know, you bid, like you put a put an effort, you know, like. You, oh, you know.
0: do you yell? I got it.
1: Uh No, you usually don't yell. I mean, some people do, but other times, if you're just running, you just go for it. I see. Yeah, there's no. It's a. It's a. It's an unspoken thing. Wow. Yeah, it's great. Had a bunch of beers on the beach. Got a little sunburn.
0: Uh oh. I
1: know it's bad. I, I don't want to. I I I should have learned my lesson by now. We were a fish themed uh, team, and I was wearing fishnets.
0: Oh, that kind of fish! Yeah, check it out. Okay, Casey is standing up to show me his tan lines. <laughs> My boy, you've been grilled. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it's like cross marks, yeah. hatch marks on a on a grilled burger.
1: Yeah, I'll take a picture of it. It's not it's not worth it, but yeah, I got uh, I got a a pretty good tan. On the back of my legs that is just, like, in a fishnet pattern, like the yeah. the sexy fishnets you'd wear if you were, you know, wearing fishnets to be sexy.
0: <laughs> well, that's great, Casey. You've got, like, a you literally have sexiness burned into your skin. <laughs>
1: well, exactly. Thank you,
0: Alex. A lot of people pay a lot of good money for that. <laughs> they sure do.
1: Instead, I just go to the beach and I... Stand in the sun for too long
0: <laughs> yeah we got to get some sunblock <laughs> yeah, on yeah you. i do
1: it's the next thing well what about you how are you sir
0: i'm okay i get a little burnt out of every time i'm asked how are you alex i'm like i'm a little I'm, I'm i'm whatever you know i i've had a stretch of a little bit ba- a little bit of a bad time
1: uh well, can i tell you though i always encourage that you say not you one says yes they're doing great no matter what
0: oh you want people to do
1: that yeah yeah exactly because then I don't okay I don't want them to I want them to do it for themselves because it's a state of mind thing you know if you're if you answer the question I'm doing bad All right. you're gonna feel bad but if you answer the question you know what I'm doing great then you you'll trick yourself into being just a little happier okay my, a- ask theory. me
0: again how I'm doing
1: hey Alex how's how's it going man. <sighs>
0: I'm... I'm doing great. You
1: can't, you can't do it.
0: No? Great work. <laughs> that Does that was, count? I think that counts. <laughs> Casey, we have so gosh darn much to get to today. We do. A whole nation. We do. We are talking- Two nations. America today. Yeah, we are. We are talking a specific American tree. Yep. I don't mean to to nationalize this tree. It's just what it's called. True. It also grows in other countries. Oh, so we can't lay claim to it.
1: No, no. It's, it's also in Canada.
0: Well, today we are talking about the- american elm that is it uh everyone praise be what a beautiful tree Olmus americana yeah you, did. wow. you
1: didn't even look at your notes you stared me right in the eye and That's you said right. you've been practicing
0: i remembered Olmus because uh it just it sounds unique
1: yeah it is and also actually it, i think it sounds like elm like so much Oh yeah, Ulm Elm. Ulm Elm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they just add a little us to it and they make it sound like it's fancy.
0: And this is our very, the very first Elm that we've covered on the show. Oh my
1: gosh, this is, yeah. Yes.
0: Oh, nice. We've All done right. multiple firs, multiple spruces, I, I think. Maybe just we th- the one spruce. We just did the one fir. So Casey, today we're talking Ulmus Americana, the American Elm. Let's imagine, like every episode, that you and I are walking through a beautiful, hey, how about this, Casey? Yes. Let's localize it. All right. We're walking through the Laurelhurst oh, neighborhood. Yes,
1: we are.
0: About half a mile south uh, east of our current location. These big uh, $14 million homes in Portland. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's true. They're pretty fancy. Uh,
0: these gorgeous, if I may Simply say so, stunning American elms covering the entire street. You and I taking a little stroll up there. We're having a difficult conversation. You're telling me all that all that lack of sunblock is catching up to me, Alex. <laughs> I'm having I, all my shirts hurt. You show you show me the dark mole on your back. <laughs> yeah, luckily there's no moles there yet. Yeah, but
1: I will tell you about this tree nonetheless. Yes, moleless as it is. So go ahead.
0: I was literally, I, I am such a stickler for uh, repetition oh, that I was literally about to say, Casey, <laughs> tell us about this tree. Oh,
1: sorry. I'm just, I'd I, I throw you off every time. No, you don't. You're fine. Well, the, the funny thing is, I was actually riding my bicycle through that area just, I think, like last week. Wow. I remember saying, I'm going to take Alex here when we do the American Elm. Did
0: we do that?
1: No, but you've already been there. So it's already it's already it's already
0: happened. Yeah, I'm know. quite familiar with that yeah. uh, street.
1: So the American elm, Olmus Americana, is an elm species that is native to basically eastern North America. I think it grows almost all the way down through uh like maybe into Georgia, that area into okay. the south, southeast a little bit. But certainly a, uh, an eastern species And it grows down in bottomland areas So it takes the the really sort of less than stellar soil Likes to have its feet wet a little bit mm. But the soil in like those uh, bottomland areas It just tends to be uh, lacking in nutrients They get leached out a lot through the rain And through different uh, Getting inundated with water and things Oh,
0: the water washes away the nutrients in the soil? It kind
1: of leaches them away, exactly Whoa, yeah. okay So otherwise their water would stay in the soil it would never drain away, so you end up getting um, anaerobic conditions. So there's just no oxygen down there.
0: I see, but the elms like that? They
1: don't. They tolerate it. I wouldn't say like it. Okay, I'm sure they would be like, no, honestly, give me a sweet, like, well drained loam field. I'm gonna love it, but. I guess if I'm stuck here that's fine
0: I see they are where they are and they're like well I can't get up and walk away yeah
1: they? exactly but they do tend to grow there more than uh more than most other species and that's the same for a lot of different elm species across the world they tend okay. to take these kind of really streamside riparian habitats
0: okay oh riparian yes there you go yeah. along the side of a uh, swamp uh swamp exactly wow oh, yeah
1: a uh, wetland well I guess hmm yeah it's the it's the transition zone between an upland and a lowland yes but I I think it could be be next to a stream a creek a river i think technically a lake as well but sometimes like they change things like if there's a deposit by a lake that's a certain term there's a deposit by a river it's a certain term a a swamp you know all these things
0: our friend the black willow also likes these conditions yes it does maybe not likes but lives there. I think lives there,
1: yeah. And also the um, black walnut does very well in these situations as well. Which is funny. All those trees, well, I guess not the willow, they kind of do well in the streets, which is a thing that has to do with this tree as well. Okay. Because when you plant these things in the urban environment, they are generally living in similar conditions because they're growing underneath pavement the soil has been compacted there's not a whole lot of oxygen water doesn't really percolate down as normal Mm. as it would otherwise so they kind of get these really rough conditions and they just kind of do well
0: you know interesting well let's talk let's talk uh, leaf
1: let's get into this let's see so these leaves are adorable oh my gosh this is the fun thing about these leaves okay so they are um alternately arranged they're simple leaves and they have little um Uh, I think they have little serrations over the head. I guess technically I'm I'm thinking they're doubly toothed or doubly
0: serrated. Yes, they are.
1: Now, so here's the thing is that they have a base that's called oblique, which I think is super Super fun.
0: Wow, I'm I think I can see what you're what you're about to say. Please okay. continue.
1: Well, so if you're looking at the uh the, the leaf, if you're holding the the uh the very bottom of the petiole where it would connect to the stem, and you start looking upwards, the left side of the leaf blade is going to be more lower on the petiole than the right side, or vice versa. I don't think it has to be right or left in this yeah. case. Yeah. Just one side is offset.
0: Where they where they come out of the petiole, they're a little skewed. Yeah, exactly. They do a little curveball and then they straighten out, and
1: then they all get back to normal as they go up to a nice little cum- little pointed tip at there at the top.
0: Do we know why? No idea. Okay.
1: No idea why. It might be that like as they are growing and like. Angled a certain way Because the twigs Are famously zigzaggy The buds Are just like Blah, 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 blah oh. And they're just Perfectly zigzag. You know Have you ever As a kid Did you ever get One of those little toys That was like um, They were like Little connectors That just connected To each other You could twist them And they would snap back Into place at a 90 degree angle Yes But they would only be Like maybe a foot long And you could just go Click, click, click And like click them In little zigzag things Yeah, sure Now if you did that And just went Left, right, left, right Left, right, left, right And you at it, that is what a twig of an american elm and many elms look like wow. because their buds just come out at these perfect little like t- not they're not really intense zigzag where it's like whoa 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 you can just see like whoop, 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 okay whoop, going left right left right left right so, so it might be that they're growing further like they put they put their growth first on the outside but not on the inside or something this is know.
0: fascinating
1: yeah i'm just guessing by the way this is is well i mean the fact
0: that these that these leaves are like that is fascinating it's a
1: super good id characteristic because there's another closely related species the zelkova that does not do that Mm. and if you feel the leaves most of the time the leaves of the elm are going to be the american elm they're going to be kind of rough like they're going to be sandpapery okay zelkova also but the zelkova the base is not oblique it's not unequal or offset it's perfect uh i I don't say perfect there's always going to be a tiny bit of variation but they will most likely be perfectly level whereas all elms most elms most elms always have those offset leaves
0: well i want to end this uh this id discussion with morphology yeah. of the tree as a whole mm, good so let's go let's talk bark
1: yeah the bark is is one of the most beautiful barks especially as it gets older it, it gets um i don't know i always think about it i feel like i saw a commercial for Hmm. like uh, craft macaroni or craft cheese like those little fake American cheese slices yeah and they were like pulling it sideways yeah and it like ripped in kind of like a weird stringy way but like with vertical strings
0: yes yeah Yeah.
1: that's what I imagine they look like as a tree grows out so they they have really long deep furrowed ridges that kind of pop out and they get really intense and they go all the way up the tree as they get older and bigger and so they're just these like big dark gray gray lines the textures are so satisfying to look at
0: yeah they really are
1: and they get these big fat burls on them and they tend to have what is um i guess they're just normal gray like there's not a whole lot to them beyond that like yeah tree gray let's just say that
0: okay yeah dark gray yeah, they're just sort of gray, grayish, brownish. Yeah, exactly.
1: And uh, and so they grow up, and they have as they this obviously gets much more intense as it gets bigger. So bigger, they get deeper and deeper. And again, it looks like you have a bunch of long vertical lines that are or lines or X's that kind of always cross over and reconnect and then rip apart, but are really you know very. I, I just I feel, I'm imagining touching one right now, Alex, because they're mm. so nice to touch. I highly encourage everyone does it.
0: Yeah, I can't help but stop and just run my hands along the bark. Hey, yeah. And I go, ow, shit.
1: (laughs) You realize that you just like stuck your finger into a
0: hole? Yeah, then I look at my hand and I have a four-inch... splinter in my palm (laughs) yeah that's Ah, you got a you got a hard life man how do i stop that from happening
1: just wear gloves no because then you can't feel it no run your hands down Down. gently yeah not
0: up there you go or side to side yeah
1: there you go yeah yeah play it like a uh like you're 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 playing the what Uh, is it the harp
0: yeah harp what what i'm thinking the wind chimes the wind chimes thank you or chimes i guess yeah
1: yeah finger chimes probably in this case
0: yeah those are called chimes and then the ones you hang in your backyard at your aunt's house; those are the winds. Those are wind chimes. Gotcha. Same page. Yep.
1: Well, the last bit to note is that they have these little seeds. Before we get into the like the best part about what makes these trees so special, is they have these adorable little seeds. And the seeds, I think they're actually winged samaras, but I should just make sure. Wow. Of that, shouldn't I? The little round disc-like Samara is what I'm reading. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it just has this seed, and then it has this little papery halo that grows around it. Yes. And you can see these in early spring just fluttering everywhere. I, I remember this from the first time I learned what these things were. As you walk through spring in any city that has elms, you'll just see these little things all over the
0: place. Now, they look a bit to me like a two maybe like a 2D eyeball.
1: Yeah, that's a great that's a great
0: description. Cuz they've got a little iris and pupil and then they have the whites which is the the papery bit.
1: Yeah, that's totally it. Yeah. Is that, that
0: considered the samara itself or is the whole thing the samara? I think
1: the whole thing is the samara and the seed on the inside is um I think technically to be a samara the seed has to be more or less connected like everything's fused together so the seed and the outer like coating of the seed and then the the ovary which is the fruit of this whole bit that becomes the samara i think it's all one thing that's all fused together i see so those things they come out in droves they just flutter around obviously because they are so wind driven they're also water-driven. This is why they're so good in their habitat. Oh. They just go, fuh, 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 fuh. fly down, hit the water, sail over to the side, and then germinate in this lovely little sandy beach that they've fallen upon.
0: They're perfect floaters.
1: They really are, yeah. They just sit there flat, right? Like yeah. little little, uh, little uh, rafts. Yeah, yeah little you know, you can, seed rafts. I want to imagine an ant on it just going Aww. for its, you know, its big adventure.
0: With, uh, with a... Uh with a match book bu- with a matchstick as an uh, as an or This is a Disney movie waiting to happen. Hey, listen up, Kathleen Kennedy. Please. I think that's who that is. I have no idea. I was thinking Ed Asner. Oh <laughs> Well, they have two different jobs. Yeah. But well
1: yeah, we'll give we'll give yeah, we'll give them a call. We'll give just, each of
0: them a call. Yeah,
1: who's uh, who's at Pixar? That's really what this is. This this could be the the um uh a Bugs
0: Life reboot. See, now we're talking a Bug's, a Bug's Life, Life too. Hey, where the hell is Bugs Life oh Two? My I'm sorry. God. We, I'm sorry, I know we're on a tight schedule today. We shouldn't have I shouldn't have brought it up.
1: I brought it up, I think it's a good thing to bring up. Where the hell is Bugs Life 2? I don't know. I think it should be there because that was one of my top favorites. I thought it was great.
0: Me too. We got a Cars Seven and we got no Bugs Life 2. Two. Is it
1: really a cars? No. It's it's pro- Let's round up to 7. That's I think
0: disgusting. I think they have 3 of those. Yeah,
1: they're going to be just doing like they're going to get back to like cars. Because, yeah. uh, uh, like, the Fast and the Furious, like, they just they had to make up new names because they're like, oh, yeah. Fast and the Furious 18. They're like, now it's just Furious or just Fast or yeah. Car.
0: There's um, one that's like FF.
1: FF, that's it. There's just F and F. Yeah. Good for them.
0: <laughs> yeah, good for them.
1: Yeah, they're making money. I guess so. Anyway, Alex, the morphology, I know you're waiting for yeah, it.
0: Yeah, man. I'm itching. Let's talk it.
1: This is the quintessential vase shaped tree.
0: Vase shaped.
1: Yes. It's an ID characteristic of this tree, so thoroughly like innate to the species yeah. that you can see this tree from afar and be like, I don't even need to get closer. I know exactly what that tree is. I see. I will bet $30 on it in one sandwich.
0: It's a real street hugger.
1: It is. And this is why people planted it on the street. So first off, as we already said, it does so well, right? Like it can take the conditions and it just keeps cooking. Right. But it also, let's say you got to drive a bunch of buses underneath there. You got power lines or something. It grows up and then just cascades over and then sets its branches down. So it'll connect over the middle of the road, shade that grow up and over the sidewalk and everything else you have all this room so when you're walking through all these old neighborhoods in portland the the um the park blocks all have american or some other kind of hybrid elm planted those are all so gorgeously majestic because of these big gigantic stems that come up and then just cascade with this mop top of hair that comes out and so it's that as soon as you learn this tree and someone says look at the vase shape of the silhouette and the form of the whole tree the first time you see it you won't forget it you're like oh that is that's more obvious than any tree I've ever seen
0: for sure is that a is that a common term in the tree world a vase shape
1: um yeah you would say so because it's not quite rounded it's not quite upright because it's upright for a second but then it it has that like immediate like yeah so I think it is but it's mostly common with this species so a couple other species they'll say oh it's kind of a vase shaped but if you're going to say give me an example of a vase shaped tree this is the example almost
0: americana yeah
1: it's like give me an example of a christmas tree the first thing you're like well it's a douglas fir let's just use that as the quintessential
0: like archetype the triangle tree
1: yeah exactly it's the triangle tree this is the the vase tree
0: i also want to make a pitch here you should for The fountain tree. Oh, it looks a bit like just water coming out of a fountain. Yeah, all right. On both sides. Okay,
1: yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Like an ornamental,
0: like Greek fish fountain Mm, you might find in the Acropolis.
1: So then, would you have? Would you have a? Would the the trunk have to look like a fish? Yeah, a little a little boy's penis or something. (laughs) 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 I'm just imagining Greek uh, Greek fountains, and they're usually they're usually like some some kids like spitting or yes I feel like I've seen one that's come out of a
0: penis for sure I think that's probably Cupid oh yeah probably a rendering of Cupid
1: what a character! Although
0: although the the baby the cherub Cupid I think yeah. came later. I don't. Oh. I think he was just like a normal looking like man.
1: Yeah, he was probably gorgeous.
0: Yeah, shaven though. Cupid is Cupid is cool. Who's yeah. your favorite Greek god? While we're talking about it, my
1: favorite Greek
0: god yeah. right off
1: the bat. Um, honestly, I have to go with like it's the old standard. It's um uh, Dionysus. Okay, cool. Standard. I I did theater and he was a big part of that whole crew that we were with. And also, like he's got parties, he's got a theater, he's yeah. got fun, he's got a wine. Like yeah. I really want, I, I want to get a tattoo of him.
0: Yes, I think I've told you. You have, but please tell <laughs> no, us again.
1: It's, it's it's another baby bean. My mom's <laughs> gonna be so upset. It's a uh, it's it's this little this little fat cherub baby leaning on a bottle or like a a, a big it's like a an a old centuries painting looking thing Yeah 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 and it's this this baby who's leaning against a, a wine barrel drinking a jug of wine Hell and yeah. peeing at the same time Oh my god <laughs> that's apparently a like uh a a anthropomorphized Dionysus. Like, some guy was like, This is how I imagine Dionysus.
0: Wow. And I
1: really want to get that. I just think that's of all the ways to imagine a god. I think that's just I one mean, of the best ways.
0: If that ain't living <laughs> life, I don't know what it yeah, is. I don't know
1: what it is that's that's my what's yours i'm a
0: hermes i'm a I'm, I'm reading mythos by Stephen fry and so far hermes i was yeah. just so charmed by
1: hermes is he does seem like he's got it he's got it going on
0: he's uh hey he's the deliverer not among many 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 other messenger. things the messenger yeah. and casey how about a message from our sponsors what we'll be right back after this break More completely arbitrary coming at you Welcome back to more completely arbitrary Ulmus Americana we're talking today. The American Elm. The American Elm. And I I am familiar with the subject that we're going to be talking about today. Yes. In the second half of our episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously you are the man with the subject. Well, we're going to talk about it. So please, Casey... Take it away.
1: Well, as you recall, we talked earlier, I think it was a couple weeks ago, about the calorie pair. Yeah. And I brought up that the calorie pair is a... More or less a replacement street, not a replacement street tree, but it was a street tree that they brought it back. And they're like, Oh, this is going to be the perfect street tree, right? It's a little beautiful thing, and it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was,
0: it was, it was, it was the perfect uh, street it tree
1: for the first 30 seconds of its life, and then it became the worst street
0: tree, uh, no matter agree.
1: what your cones
0: say. Agree to disagree,
1: I guess we're gonna have to do that <laughs> anyway. This little tree. Was replacing a long lost tree that used to be the the quintessential American tree. So uh, I highly recommend again everyone go pick up Jill Jones or Jonas's book, Urban Forests. Oh yeah, you want if you're interested, go check it out at our uh, website. We have a link to it. So ch- check that out because uh, Jill goes through a spectacular history of this tree, the sad rise and fall of the American Elm. Wow. So way back when, um, I'm going to do a really quick history. We started planting trees along gigantic boulevards like in Marseille, France, and like the, I forgot the term in France. Anyway, France and like these big, rich estates, they mm. wanted these, these nice allays of trees, which is just a line of very similar, if not the same tree, um, basically opposite each other on either side of a road, right? Like
0: allays? a lay yeah okay
1: Um, which is like all one word I think it's L-L-A-L-L-E with a little thing over it little Uh accent Um, so it's a very common like landscape and uh, normal architectural kind of idea yeah so very european especially okay so europeans came over here colonized and took over north america and they brought over a lot of their same ideals and so way back when we would just basically plant these things to look nice like it was just like oh this will make it look like we're walking through a park which at Mm. the time it essentially was you know like you would just plant it on either side of a park and you'd have people living on the other side they would put them in the the open spaces and you know that kind of thing in the middle of cities before we had any real regulations. You know, it was just open space. It was like the commons, right? Interesting. Um, but then we started developing cities in a more specific way. So we started planting trees more specifically and we started to design our cities with curbs, and we wanted the curbs Hmm. because things were getting so muddy and so mucky before we had like, um, what was it called? A Macadam Street is the term. We also had, um, Macadam Street is basically a street that was paved, and they called it a Macadam Street, or a Macadam. Why? I really don't know why. I read that in a fun book called The The Bike Snob. Huh? Yeah, (laughs) it's a a silly book out of this guy from New York.
0: You know the original working title of that book was The Casey?
1: (laughs) I hope it was, and then they're like, nah, we got to make this more New York centric he's too West Coast <laughs> they uh, they also had like cobblestone streets so right. you'd have these big cobblestones but then everything was really muddy if it wasn't one of those two things sure so they started like building these curbs and then you would have people like come by and flush it and the curbs basically kept the stuff in the road and then gave people on the sidewalks a place to go wow
0: right? that's fascinating yeah
1: so it is sidewalks and this isn't like they, there's not a direct line like there's lots of places they design things differently so sure. I don't want to say it's like, yes, this, and then this, and then this, and that's the perfect thing. You just started to see it develop.
0: It's a rough history.
1: Yeah, it's a rough history. And so they started making in fancy big neighborhoods, these these planting strips in between the sidewalk areas where they would expect you to be walking, mm-hmm. and then the curb area, and then everything in between that, that's where that you would, you would keep the cars and the horses and the carriages and the poop and all that stuff. So- in these little tree lawns is what they called, over especially in the uh, eastern United States where we had really rich neighborhoods and they wanted things to look their own fancy way. Sure. They would design their streets like this and they would plant these big, gorgeous, beautiful trees and they would plant
0: elm trees Is that partly I'm so sorry No go ahead The design of that Is that partly to sort of like Divide Like a natural barrier Between the people Walking on the sidewalk And the The muck of the street
1: You know I don't think initially That was the idea I think it was more This is pretty We want this to look nice I see And every rich estate Kind of place Had these lines of trees Going by it So it's just more of an Aesthetic callback I think More than anything But I don't know Um, Jill might have actually A little bit more information on this Jill Jones Jill Jonas
0: Maybe uh um, maybe uh a, just a, a fortunate side yeah. effect Exactly you
1: know? and that's kind of what it became later down the line Yeah Um but they found that if they planted this one tree the American elm it had this perfect shape it did so great in these lawns mm. and it had this regalness to it that everyone just loved So as soon as they figured out that would this is a great tree and they started designing you know your your general road in this way, they would start planting these trees all over the place. And I mean everywhere. And we're Every- talking
0: Eastern U- United States? Yeah, Eastern United States, okay.
1: Eastern Canada, Central Canada, Central United States. Everywhere the tree would grow, they would plant it. I see. And they all, at the same time, we were importing other trees from other places. Like, say, Europe. So we planted these incredible trees. I can't remember the stat, but it was some like obscenely ridiculous percentage of any tree that was planted anywhere in the United States as a street tree was an elm. Okay. Like like 90%, like some some crazy, crazy wow. amount, right? It's because it was the perfect tree. And everyone's like, this is a perfect tree. Let's just plant this perfect tree. And I was yeah. like, yeah, why would we not plant a perfect tree? Right. Well, turns out that perfect tree had an Achilles heel. Oh, boy. And as we were importing all these other plants from Europa, we <laughs> ended up bringing that Achilles heel straight into the heartland.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: It's the saddest thing. It's the saddest thing. But essentially, in the early 1900s, actually, I think it was like 1945 or something like that, um, we started bringing over these uh, this elm species, some European species of elms, and they had this disease on it. We're like, what is this disease? I don't know, but it's killing all of our elms. Oh my god. And then all at once, this ravaged all of our cities where we just had elm tree after elm tree after elm tree after elm tree die.
0: Wow. And
1: these trees were big because remember all the fancy places, they started planting these trees way back when they had these gorgeous regal neighborhoods like Laurelhurst, uh-huh. like Lad's Edition, like Irvington. All these big, fancy neighborhoods that started to develop when it was so chic and you would go, buy a house in the suburbs on Block 15 away from the muck of the inter-east side.
0: So, if if we're talking, uh, just to, to get a time frame yeah. in everybody's brains, for the east coast planting of the American elm, mm-hmm. are we talking like 1700s? Um,
1: you know, I think so. Well, they still had these big elm trees because they would grow and just keep living in like the worst places. So, like, you would would just be walking through the street you you have this little common park tree that would be in the middle of um like think gangs of New York the five points you okay know that yeah, movie yeah so right that's where all these like five streets came this where everyone congregated like everyone was just defecating everywhere because this is like the 17 1800s Yikes. nothing's nice there's pigs and cows and goats and everything in the middle of the city. That this tree would just survive. So, if you just don't pay attention to it and you just don't care about it, 50 years later, you got a big, massive tree, and everyone would be like, Oh, it's this is a big, massive tree. It's doing right. great. So, it would be these centers of like these common areas. I see. Then it would be planted as we started to develop instead of having um, the like. I guess it was kind of developed when we started moving a little bit further out of the city and started to kind of develop a little bit out. I gotcha. Um, And make more, I don't know, I don't want to say suburbs because that really didn't happen until the middle of the 1900s. Yeah. But this is in like, you go to New York and back then you would go to like, I don't even, I, I can't even imagine, like Central Park in uh Manhattan yeah that used to be on the outskirts of town
0: right so it's just any place that's like on on the outer edges of this of the like the commercial dist, the yeah, commercial downtown exactly
1: and then so like in Portland here Laurelhurst is just 30 blocks in but that used to be as soon as you got to say Cesar Chavez uh-huh. everything past that was just farmland wow and so this was in the early 1900s the late 1800s the 20s so easily 50 or 60 Seventy years before that over in New York, Boston, all these other places. I see. And that's on top of the trees that were already growing there that they just kind of left and just kind of built around. Because I see. Also, way back then... A lot of times it was just easier to just leave the tree because you would have to get like 30 men and a bunch of horses and you'd all have to axe it down. And, you know, it was just a whole big thing. Right. So it's like, can we just leave this tree and move around it? You like, okay, cool.
0: Build your shit around the tree.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because elms were also not the best tree to use for lumber and things like that. They gotcha. would much prefer to use the pines and things like that. Okay. So um, we ended up making these the most commonly planted tree in all of the cities as we started to develop, you know, cities and kind of the way we see them now. And because of that, we had them everywhere. We had no other trees. We Mm -hmm. would not really plant a whole lot of maples, maybe in some specific locations. We didn't really care about oaks, maybe in some specific places. Maybe someone just preferred an oak here rather than this. But the elm tree was a quintessential thing. So all these new trees came in from Europe and they brought this disease over and this disease started killing our trees and we're like, why is this happening? What is happening? What exactly is going on here? And it took them several years to figure it out, but they had to have like botanists and people like, oh, oh okay, what's happening? And like, they literally did like a USDA search because they were like, these were really, this was an intense problem. Every tree was dying mysteriously. And they ended up learning that there is this disease, and the scientific name of this one is Ophiostoma omi and Ophiostoma novo olmi, which means like new old me so Those it's kind of like two
0: different one. diseases two
1: different diseases but they do the same thing they're very closely related we call them today dutch elm disease uh, and that's because they came from a dutch elm allegedly okay which is really just kind of like uh the same kind of species that grows in europe uh, we call them english elms uh, siberian elms these kinds of things i see so It is a native species, native disease over to Europe and not, or a little bit also over to Asia because it's one big landmass. So if you have different elm trees that have been exposed to this over the last several hundred millions of years... They're going to have been like, eh, we're, we're still alive. We're going to develop with it. Now, if you were, let's say, across an ocean mm-hmm. from this disease, those trees may have been already separated and started to speciate before this disease came, or that disease might have just spread from a different place. You know, There's a hundred different things that you could think of. But for whatever reason, the American elms, and that is all of the elms that grow in North America— were never exposed to this. Yikes. And if they were exposed, they did not develop enough immunity to it. In fact, really any immunity whatsoever. Right. So, as soon as you bring this disease over, the same thing that's happened to not only plants, but also the people in this, this whole land mass, yeah. a disease came through that they had no protection against, no exposure to previously, and it just went absolutely ham, destroyed almost every single elm tree in all these big, beautiful cities before we even could figure out what it was. Wow. Or how it spread.
0: Do you know what... I mean, I, I'm really into timelines today, I guess. And, yeah. like, temporally, like, how long from when it was first introduced to when they were like, oh, wow, we have a problem. Oh, man. How long would that take? Like, How slowly does a tree die to a disease? So this
1: is actually, that's a very interesting question. Let me give you a little background on the disease. Okay. So it's a fungal disease, and (gasps) it grows. So this is a fungal association that isn't quite, it it is a little one-sided, I guess you could say. Yeah. So this fungus, um, Dutch elm disease, it rides on the backs of little beetles. Okay. They are called the vectors for it. So the vector, this little beetle, is a bark beetle. So it goes under and it just eats a little bit underneath the bark and then it has its brood and then its brood flies away, does it to another elm. Okay. Normally, this beetle, there are native beetles to the United States. There's also ones that have come over from the uh, from Europe. They do not kill the elm trees. The elm trees are like, yeah, whatever, we're just going to live with this. We're going to move on. We're going we're to be fine. However, as those little beetles burrow through the, uh, the bark, they make a wound in that tree. And if they have on their backs uh-huh. from a previous dead tree... A bunch of little spores they're literally walking the spores underneath all the protections of the tree into the tree's vascular system oh
0: my god it's like a michael Crichton novel
1: it's the worst that's it's, insane. it's so awful
0: i mean how how like how serendipitously terrible
1: yeah well and that's that's exactly how these things developed over millions of years the insect the fungus and the trees over in eurasia yeah they developed this over millions of years where the fungus is like i got to great way to get myself from point A to point B shit the beetles, like, whatever, I don't kill the tree, so I'm just going to keep going from tree to tree and we're just going to be fine. And, like, I'm, my population is going to be stable. The tree population is going to be stable. Yeah. And the trees at some point have figured out how to basically make resistance to it or tolerate it, basically. So either they don't get the disease or they just are fine having the disease and they can stop it and kind of compartmentalize it off without it taking over and killing the whole tree.
0: The European trees. You yes, okay. correct. Yeah. yeah. But the American, the North American trees
1: exactly. did not have
0: those uh antibodies
1: (laughs) green is summer grass those things yeah so what they do is they essentially would um this fungus would start growing up and down the vascular system in the cambium cambium. in all these little pipes so what the trees do is they have these things remember when we talked about oak trees about tyloses tyloses oh wow that sounds familiar well I'll, i'll give you an update okay they're basically these big cells that kind of balloon in the vascular system of old wood. So, year one wood is actively doing stuff. Year two and beyond is basically starting to shut down. Okay. That's the sap wood. So, the early or the, the latest sap wood closest to the outside of the tree. That's still alive, and it's still moving up and down. If
0: not a little slower. slower. Yeah,
1: exactly. So it only does water for the most part and stores some nutrients and some starches and things like that. And then as you go deeper and deeper, it kind of gets shut down more and more. And the tree sends in these little cells called tyloses, and they basically are balloons that grow up into those cells and stop them from moving and stop water from going up and down. You stop water from going up and down, you stop everything else from going up and down as well. It's kind of like they're just saying, okay, we're turning you off. We're now going to make you a part of the tree's structure.
0: And then they retire into the Heartwood community.
1: Exactly. Uh, and what a lovely community. You got golf courses yeah. there. You got a whole bunch of bridge games, uh-huh.
0: shuffleboard. Don't forget about Friday barbecues. Oh, no,
1: of course not. No, they, they do that every single Friday. In fact, and, every day is Friday.
0: And all the, you know, the sexual tension.
1: Oh, yeah. Jim.
0: <laughs> Welcome, to. Heartwood, <laughs>
1: Heartwood meadows. So, anyway, in order for the elm trees to survive this, they're gonna put they put in these tyloses. They they work their way into the cells, and they say, "Oh, oh something's going wrong. I'm just gonna block this cell off."
0: Okay,
1: <laughs> blows up this tylose. But if you do that too soon, you end up killing off everything because you're kind of like stopping the water flow going out to those extremes. Yeah, it sounds kind of dangerous. Yeah, imagine the way I've always imagined it and described it to people is the disease basically causes the trees the trees veins to get a ridiculous amount of uh, cholesterol. Right. That cholesterol then basically suffocates the branches oh, at the at the far end. God. Yeah it's it's the worst it's the worst possible thing, and it also grows mycelium down through these tubes, and you can get these. Uh, um, uh, long dark streaks in the the twigs. If you were to try to just peel off the bark wow. to like confirm, does this tree have this uh, this disease? Um, but it'll send its mycelium down into the roots, <gasps> and then down into the roots of a grafted tree growing right next to it. No, let's say it's planted thirty feet on center in some beautiful neighborhood like Laurelhurst, right? Then all of a sudden, you have these little bark beetles flying from tree to tree to tree to tree, infecting each one. You have the infections going through the roots of the tree, and then you get that to happen, let's say the beetle goes in there and overwinters comes out the next spring, starts chewing away, the leaves will come out and then they will turn brown and they will wilt. Wow. And a lot of times around here you can tell because it's a certain beetle that only gets in the really tiny twigs. So you see just flagging is what it's called. And you're like, that tree's flagging right over there. I can tell it's an elm because it has this gorgeous vase shaped, vase shape. That tree, I think, has Dutch elm disease. Wow. If you just keep watching it, the next year a whole entire section of the tree will have died. <gasps> Then you can see sprouts start popping out from the base of the tree. And so that's why I said earlier, you can also tell an elm tree because they just have sprouts all the way up and down the limbs or the limbs, the twigs, the, the whole stems everywhere. Yeah. And that's because the tree's stressed, probably because it has this disease. It might be uh, tolerant or resistant to it. Where I can keep on living, but it's stressed, so it's sending out all these stress things. It's saying more energy, send out more shoots. We need, we need to capture every bit of light we can.
0: So sad, it totally
1: is. But this happens within maybe two years if it's a tree that has no resistance to it. In two years the tree will be dead. Easy. So
0: these sprouts wow, oh my God. Yeah. These sprouts are like what did we just talk about? What tree did we just talk about? Oh, the uh quaking aspen. Yeah, yeah. Is it a bit like that where they're sending sprouts out from the roots? Yeah,
1: not not so much the roots. This is more from just the the stem itself. Okay. You just have the, uh, a gigantic column of wood and then poof you just get new little twigs that just pop out from every every inch of it.
0: So that when I see an elm I'm sure I'm positive in my mind that I've seen elms in Laurelhurst with sprouts in the middle of the trunk. Yeah. That's a stressed-out tree? It's a stressed-out tree, for sure. But it doesn't, it doesn't get stressed out just from Dutch Elm?
1: No, it could be almost anything. It's usually the worst, and you can see it. So around here um, in Portland, we have it, but it took a lot longer. So for your timeline, it started happening within 10 years. We're like, oh, my God, so many of our gigantic trees are dying. Wow. And they were like, okay, quick, let's cut all these trees down and like cut the disease out like get rid of it before it starts to go away but we didn't understand how it works so we just cut one tree down it would be grafted by the roots to another tree and you just have this domino effect going down the road
0: also the damage has been done right the beetles are already onto the next tree so it's it's killing the tree or chopping the tree down isn't going to do anything well it
1: sometimes does if you can catch it quick then, oh, while
0: the beetles are still in there? Exactly, yeah. Wow. Then
1: you can minimize it. There's certainly going to be some that get out. It's just the way it's going to go. Sure. But here in the city of Portland, we actually have a rule, or like a if you see a tree that has that and someone calls it in or it gets noticed, uh-huh. then we actually go out and you have to cut it down within like 30 days. And then you have to either bury the wood or <gasps> destroy it by fire. <laughs>
0: That's Casey. how you gotta do it. It's like a zombie infection. It totally is. Holy shit! Get the flamethrower. Yeah, you Ooh. gotta you gotta shoot it in the brain with a shotgun <laughs> yeah. and burn the corpse. That's exactly it. That is fucking <laughs> awesome and brutal. Yeah. Wow. That's
1: a uh, that's how it is. That's what we
0: have to do with these trees. That's fascinating. Yep. That's and my favorite thing I've heard on this <laughs> podcast in a while. Yeah,
1: this is the true zombie tree. Well, so this is the thing though. So as a street tree, it was an incredible tree. It was an iconic tree. It still is an iconic tree. You recognize it. We didn't even have to talk about where yeah. to go. You go to these neighborhoods and there's a reason this tree was so incredible. Yes. To this day, people um reading through Jill Jones' books, you can read through like people's lamentations about how they're like it was the most beautiful thing, wow. like this whole forest, this whole this whole row of trees like Um, entire boulevards were like covered in this, and like you can look back and find these photos of like these old like Chicago's and Detroit's and all these cities with these like massive trees in every neighborhood, and then all of a sudden they just cut them all down, never replanted anything. Shit. And then we get what we get today, which is neighborhoods that have so few trees because we tried it once and we're like, well, that sucked, and we just never were like, oh, you plant it back. No one ever did.
0: Here's my question, my right. philosophical question, to wrap up this discussion of Dutch elm disease before we get into our review. Yes. Do you think that Dutch elm disease and the blight of the American elm uh-huh. is some sort of karmic lesson about colonialism?
1: Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. And do you know my perfect example for this? How What? So that is the quintessential homogenization of let's say if not a culture in air quotes a what used to be diverse forest ecosystem.
0: Yeah. So you a balanced environment.
1: Exactly, where there would be several different species of trees. So if let's say you only had 10% perfect elm trees, then this disease comes through, the most it's going to do to your forest is wipe out 10% of your trees. Right. And most likely if you also spread those trees out over the the entire city. So not only do you have a species uh, heterogeneous landscape, you also have it in terms of, um, uh, what am I thinking? Uh, Spatialness. So you have it one over here, then you don't have any for a while, then you have another one over here. Right. Just like what goes on in the tropics, for example. And that helps, that is a specific thing that uh, helps keep forests safe it's called resilience and that resilience comes through diversity right so if you don't have a diversity that is the the top lesson like capital l that we learned yeah, from man. dutch elm disease or rather that we should have learned because <laughs> we made the mistake again we're still making that mistake all the time. Right. And But with, that's the thing that we took away. So any professional who would be saying, what's the best practice? They would say, plant the most diverse forest you can, at least in terms of an urban forest. Because the more diverse an urban forest is, mm-hmm. the more it is resistant to disturbance and the more resilient it is. Resistance meaning they can hold it back. So if you only have 10% elm trees, you only lose 10%, so right. you still have a 90% full forest. That's resistance. But resilience is it growing back and bouncing back quicker. I see. So if you only lose 10%, then you only need to make up 10%. Whereas if you lose 50%, you have to then make up 50%. And that can be a lot harder than just making up that last
0: 10%. Amazing.
1: Easy. That's such a good question, Alex. Diversity, diversity, diversity. There's a rule.
0: Oh, what?
1: This is the rule. It's the 5, 10, 20 rule in that this uh-huh. is the, the what most cities are trying to aim for, and that is no more than 5% of a given species across your entire city.
0: Wow. No more than 10% of the genus of a given <sighs> species. And no more than 20% of a given uh, family.
1: Uh, uh, that's it, Alex. That's so well interesting. Done. Yeah, and that's is it's a rule that some folks came up with and there's a couple of variations. Some would say 5-10-20, some, t- some would say 10-15-20, some sure. would say ten, twenty, thirty. 20 30 Like it kind of changes, which is Totally fair. It doesn't have to be the same for everywhere. What Again,
0: is, diversity. What is Portland's rule? Is it 5, 10, 15? I
1: think that's what we're going for, if not the 10, 20, 30. Because once you get to 30, the family, that's that's a pretty good sized thing. Like yeah. you can have a pretty diverse um, cadre in the families, but you have other diseases like Dutch elm disease is specific to elm trees right. and elm things. So like the Zelkova, closely related, it's resistant though. But then if you go to um, the emerald ash borer, which we'll talk about later this season wow because spoiler alert we replaced all of our elm trees with ash trees <laughs> and we oh. learned another lesson.
0: Yes, this episode is uh, the first in a trilogy. Exactly.
1: So you learned that, uh, so you plant ash trees, but this emerald ash borer affects all ash trees. So there's your genus level. Right. And then there's another disease that's called, or another insect, Asian longhorn beetle. And that gets like broadleaf trees. <laughs> wow. So it's, it's just, you know, you can't win every battle, of course. And, you know, you're always going to deal with something new, but generally I think uh, Portland's going for the 10, 20, 30, So once you get to the family level, you're you're pretty good because yeah. that has a lot of different things in it. that can have a lot of different variations and resistance and that kind of thing.
0: Fascinating, Casey. There you have it. And with that, let us bore our fungled backs. Into the <laughs> cambium, arvar review of mm. the American elm. It tastes so good. No, that analogy wasn't forced. What no. are you?
1: What are you saying? Honestly, yeah. Is that a producer over there? What do you? No, get at it. we fire our
0: producer. Oh, I was talking to the discerning listener. <laughs>
1: oh, I see. I saw it. you. You looked <laughs> off to one side in the room, and so I was looking to see. Yeah I, can, yeah, I guess I can feel it. It's like you feel the audience not clap. Yeah,
0: like, I got a little. I got a little hot in the cheeks. <laughs> uh, Casey, here's how it works. You and I. I are going to say our final thoughts on the American Elm and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of honor. As our resident expert, we will begin with you.
1: All right. All right. I think that this tree, I think... We took a good thing and we we squeezed it. We we blew that bubble up. This is like a bubble, I think, like in the stock market sense. Sure. We took a good thing and we just inflated it, inflated it, inflated it until it popped. Mm-hmm. And now they can barely survive sometimes. It's really a tragedy. However, there is good news because we are developing resistant trees. Where I used to live in Portland, I think it's probably one of my favorite trees in the entire city, is one of the most beautiful elm trees I've ever seen in my life. Wow! Literally, it is. It's like a hundred feet in, uh, like across in the canopy. The bark follows that same intense pattern from the very base of the tree up to the highest limbs because they are that big and that old. Jeez. And this thing is just massive. It, if it's not resistant, it has just gotten lucky for d- decades and decades. Is one of the biggest, most beautiful trees in this entire city. Wow. I love the elm tree. I think it's perfect. It's got an Achilles heel, so I'm going to give it an Achilles
0: 8.0. 8.0 golden cones of honor for the American elm from dendrologist Casey Club. I think
1: it's just a great tree. However... Seven point eight because we need to stop planting it. Oh my gosh. Diversity. Yeah. Diversity. Oh Diversity. I see. I see. That's what I'm gonna do. Take it down. Because I think if I go to eight, all the nursery folks can be like, well, let's just go to the completely arbitrary. Let's just get right. here all their eights and just plant just plant those. Because everyone loves that. There you go. All
0: right. What about you, my friend? All right. So the American Elm uh, is one of my favorite looking trees that I've that I've seen with my my real life eyes. Uh, when I come across a street. Canopied in American Elms I'm like oh man God it's good to be alive It's just
1: got it Like you walk underneath it And you're like This is nice Yeah
0: it's just a gorgeous aesthetic It's got it the American Elm is the Robert De Niro of trees, Casey. Uh,
1: yes, it is. I know you
0: love these analogies. I'll tell you this. It's it's Robert De Niro not not only because it's beautiful in age, because it used to be a king of its industry. Yes. Robert De Niro, classically known as, quote, one of the best actors of all time, right?
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Quoting, um, <laughs> who are you quoting?
0: Uh Me. Vulture. <laughs> Vulture.com. <laughs> right. Good, fair. And then and then, you know. It shows up in uh, War with Grandpa.
1: Yeah, Meet the Fockers
0: and Meet the Fockers. Oh,
1: he was pretty good in Meet the Fockers. I, I think, like
0: that movie. You know, that
1: was that was a good that was a good planting of Robert De Niro's. I got one question, Casey. All right, could
0: you milk me? <laughs> you didn't even give your review. Um, so yeah, I think it's like an extremely distinguished tree, but then you can't help but think, oh right. It's at the end of its career. <laughs>
1: yeah, all right. That's its fair. legacy
0: is a little tarnished with war on <laughs> grandpa. What is it? War with grandpa or something? Uh,
1: I don't know. I've never even heard of this movie.
0: But, but also, you know, Goodfellas and Taxi Driver mm, and The yeah. Godfather. All right, that's true. Um. That's a hard one. Boy, yeah, I'm that's so a, torn. That's a
1: great analogy, though. Like, I think that can really run with that.
0: My golden cones. Yes. I'm going 7.6.
1: 7.6. I think that's pretty good. So
0: I was like, I want to go between 7 and 8. Yeah. But right in the middle is a little low, so I'm going on mm-hmm. the upper side of between 7 and 8. I think
1: it's very good. So if if you were rounding, it would go to 8 yeah all right that sounds good to me yeah well i appreciate that and i think that's actually a very good i think it's a good one i think that i think that works and especially because now my brain is thinking about robert de niro
0: uh-huh. and
1: i'm like yeah 7.6 yeah yeah,
0: yeah right I think that makes sense in my heart though like if i if i really for myself not canonically in the podcast this thing sure. gets a 10 out of 10 oh no problem. yeah exactly like 1950 10 out of 10 yeah yeah i'm with you casey it's time for our segment What do we have today? Today, I'm just so dang excited to talk about this thing. We're not quite playing a game, but we are having a discussion. All right. Uh, we're doing a fun little exercise, Casey. All right. Catherine Robert, a fungal associate, sent us an email saying, it'd be sick if you guys did a druid horoscope. The druid horoscope? Yes.
1: What is that?
0: So are I'm you gonna... familiar with astrology?
1: I've heard about <laughs> the it. The
0: science of astrology, Mr. Scientist? Yes. Yes. The druids did not have constellations as their astrology signs. Casey, they had trees! Oh my God.
1: I just clicked on this and I was reading through it. And yeah. And then I... I saw this symbol up in the top right. We gotta we gotta post
0: this. This is great. Oh yeah, Casey. So wow. here's here's how it's gonna happen. There's a druid sign calculator at astrologyk.com slash horoscope slash druid. Oh my We'll post this God. on the website. Casey Well, let's start with you and read your sign. What day and month were you born?
1: I get one. Okay. I was born the 21st of September.
0: The 21st of September, Casey.
1: Which I want you to know is the solstice. No, it's not the solstice, it's the autumnal equinox.
0: Casey, you're. Your mind is going to be blown. What am I? You are a lime tree. I'm a
1: lime tree. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. All right. For those of you who may not be familiar, though, that actually is the the linden or the tilia, not the little citrus fruit that's green that you put in your tequilas and things. Oh,
0: bummer. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what it says. Traits of people born under the lime sign. Sociability. Check. Oh, okay. Observation. You know it. Mm. Realism i
1: don't know you're a and, bit of a dreamer yeah i do yeah i guess you know sometimes
0: talent for organization wow we'll skip that one compatible <laughs> with the poplar the rowan and the fig i love you casey
1: Yeah, i love you the rowan the fig and the the what
0: the yeah, poplar the, the poplar you guys all get along yes so let me let me read this thing line people are selfless they constantly care about others and their difficulties and affairs. I wouldn't say that's untrue of you. Yeah. You, right. you, you definitely look out for yourself, but you're certainly a fantastic friend. I have. try to be. They are great to look after someone and fantastic parents, Casey. Ooh. As people of this tree are so sensitive and rather give than take, they're not so much predestined for social. But more creative jobs.
1: Oh, look at me. Like
0: d- podcasting. Like podcasting. very creative. <laughs> yes, the ancient druids were some of the first podcasters.
1: They really were and they did a fantastic job like honestly, I can't.
0: There's so many. It is advisable to make clear to them that at an early age already they have have they have have to be uh, economical with their energy.
1: Ah.
0: Don't spend it all in one place. That's right. I see what this is. So, uh, people of this sign seem to be a little quiet, mm. even a little bit weak-willed, silent, and timid. Well, well I take it all back. <laughs> yeah, that didn't quite get there. <laughs> Literally the opposite of your personality. Hey,
1: you know what? It doesn't work for everyone. You know, it's a spectrum.
0: Uh, the strength of the lime. Is their sensitive and delicate character, Oh, perfect. but their open way. They are good at responding to people, and they always raise a bit of hope in others.
1: Well, shoot! I'm proud to be alive. It's
0: absolutely true. Yes,
1: I feel um, good about this. I'm. Oh, this is amazing. Alex, what are you?
0: The first I was going to read this lime man, there's lime man and lime woman, oh, but okay. the first sentence of the lime man is kind of sexist, so oh. we're going to we're going to not read that. Yeah,
1: we'll just skip over it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was born I was born on the 20th of January. Okay. What you you type it in. What am I, Casey? Hold on. This is so exciting. You're an
1: elm tree. I'm an elm tree. Oh my god. <laughs> this is so good. You're tra- your, okay, your traits observation mm-hmm. talent of organization therefore we worked well together because I we skipped that part for me that's right and realism you bring it you bring it straight down to the truth
0: yeah I don't know about the realism part
1: yeah it's uh okay it says that you're compatible with Cypress beech, cedar maple and ash
0: no lime
1: yeah no lime but it's it doesn't say that we're uncompatible
0: right so that's important that is important
1: elmborn look at the world and see the things where other people turn a blind eye to look at that yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. People who need blah uh, blah, who other people turn an eye to, people who need help. So you're basically, you, you don't turn an eye to those people who right. do need help. Regardless of themselves, they always want to help. In the worst case, this can even lead to self abandonment. <clears throat> uh, don't do that uh anyway <laughs> anyway elms should therefore forego easy on their energy and should make sure not to lose touch with themselves mm. i think that's fair you always yeah. got to be you know with you i think i think you do that very well
0: i'm a bit of a caretaker type and i can mm. get a bit lost in yeah, that
1: i can see that Ooh, oh here we go the strong side of the elm is its inborn optimism and joy de vive oh, Joy de vive is what? that i think that's french for joy of life oh wow Okay. Now, that's a think, not a no, so let's just not Google
0: it. See, this third paragraph where it, this is the the third paragraph where yours started to not sound like you. Yeah. This one starts to not sound like me. They don't revel in memories. And they don't wait for the future, but love and live now. 100% untrue. That's so strange. Well, okay, so it does make sense, though. I th- yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, a time. Yeah, maybe
1: the third paragraph ends up becoming the, the later year. Yeah. The, the, that's the what? the Ju- July 15th through July 25th. That's right. The, the love and family section just says, Loved Elm people are just fantastic.
0: Wow. (laughs)
1: They even have the just in there.
0: That is great. Uh, Casey, we're going to do one more. Okay. That is of legendary actor Robert (laughs) De Niro. (laughs) What do we got, Robert? Robert was born on August 17th. Here we go. What do we got?
1: He's a cedar.
0: Wow. Oh, he's not
1: even an Elm. That makes sense. Impulsiveness, optimism, intelligence, ability to deduction, ability to deduce. I assume is what they're trying to say. Compatible with elm, maple, jasmine, oak.
0: (gasps) Uncompatible with? Lime. Wow. And
1: the willow, and the hornbeam, and the fig.
0: Cedar people are real personalities who pursue really big aims. There you go. Sometimes rather extreme, like being one of the most famous people in the world. Yeah. Uh, It's either one or the other for them. They are glaring and fantastic personalities who are in full bloom in a warm climate.
1: Like Hollywood.
0: Yes. L.A. is quite warm. This is
1: so funny. Yeah. Uh, Robert, reach out to us. We got to tell you your Druid sign.
0: Yeah, I like Robert. Hey, do you want to see my Robert De Niro face? Yeah,
1: I would like it. You look just like him. Oh, my God.
0: It's also my Mark Ruffalo face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, well, they're both beautiful people, so this all works out well.
0: Casey, it's time for a completely arbitrary Q&A. <sighs> this is so exciting. This week's question is from Wade Parker. Hi, Wade. Hello, Wade. Wade says, I have a space tree question.
1: Oh, okay. All right.
0: I was wondering what trees you could use in space. I'm writing a sci-fi book. I am personally a big fan of science fiction, yep, Casey. yep. yep. Uh, about people in space colonies and wanted to see what you both thought would work I'm thinking that a space tree would want to be aesthetically interesting while also providing some form of nutrition and taking up little room aboard a spacecraft very interesting or in yeah. a dome colony are there any trees up to the task Casey okay so the first thing that comes to
1: mind is um biodome. do you remember that movie with Sh- uh, Pauly Shore do I ever that is those are the trees plant whatever they planted there end of conversation All right, okay so here's my thing I think that I can't give you any good species because it depends on the climate, right? So, if there's a lot of sun and it can be warm temperatures, you'd probably want to plant some tropical trees or some trees that grow in like warmer climates, I guess. Sure. Not to mention, if you can get a biodome, you can kind of, you know, keep the temperature a certain temperature. Then you can predict exactly what you want to plant, how you want to plant
0: in all these kinds of things. I've got it. What do you got? A ficus.
1: Yeah. I was going to say. grows
0: figs. You can eat them.
1: Exactly. You plant a, you plant fruit trees. Uh, there is a movie called Sunshine, which I thought was really great. If you mm. haven't watched it, they basically have to go restart the sun. It's a super cool thriller. I, Interesting. No, honestly, great movie. I got to reboot it. Highly recommend it. And, uh, but what they did is they had like on their spaceship, they had like this whole nursery section where they were growing potatoes and fruit and all sorts of stuff. Sure. Right? And so that's the kind of thing that I think you'd want to do plant mostly tropical trees because they just keep producing more often than the, the trees. And if it's a tree that's growing in a temperate region, it wants to go dormant, just like it, it wants to sleep and then come back. So small trees, avocado tree, because that's going to give you all sorts of nutrients and things like that. Yeah, sure is. I do that. You don't want to get scurvy out there, so I'd probably go with the lemon tree also. Oh, good idea. And then a couple things that grow nuts probably, if you can get some almonds and Mm. things like that. And then I would honestly, like if you can grow it so perfectly, you can grow some vines on it. Like Keep the vines only on the bark and keep the rest of it a little bit higher. Make it so that you're taking up every ounce of light in every possible way. There you go. Most tropical things to do that. You can plant the passion flower if you want to yeah. eat the passion fruit. So that those are the kinds of things that I would think it would be mostly tropical and be like a, you're walking into a conservatorium in a uh, you know a, a really cool botanical garden down in in California or something like that.
0: That those are great ideas, Casey. That's what
1: I would do. I think that would be the the most uh, the most effective, and it would look really good. And plant potatoes just like the Martian. You got to make sure you eat
0: potatoes. That's a good idea. Wade, thank you so much for your extremely interesting question. And hey, good luck with your book.
1: Yeah, and good luck. I hope you can like make that happen. did yeah. you, the day is do you think Wade went to uh went to space with uh, Jeff Bezos?
0: I think probably Wade went to space with, with yeah. Jeff Bezos. Yeah, maybe
1: Wade was the person who had the uh um the the time conflict. I oh. read that. Someone's like, Oh sorry, I got a meeting, Jeff, I can't make it. Oh my god. <laughs> like what? He paid like twenty eight million dollars for that.
0: Oh, yeah. Here it says uh, at the end of Wade's email P.S. I went to space with Jeff Bezos. Ah, oh,
1: Wade, sick.
0: Wow, that's cool, Wade.
1: Yeah, way you to spend your money in some place that's better for everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Wade.
0: If you have a question about trees for Casey, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. That's A R B O R T R A R Y pod. Or join the Patreon to support the podcast. Like our small army of supporters who mean so much to us. You can join the Arboretum for $5 a month, get two bonus episodes a month, or you can join the Cone of the Month Club for $10 a month, and you get cool stickers every month of cones by independent artists. How Mm. fun. I love it.
1: I love it. Just got samples of the next one. We
0: sure did. Very exciting. They are beautiful. They really are. They they glisten. This is the monkey puzzle by Shauna Snyder. (laughs) That has been this episode of Completely Arbitrary.
1: Wow, uh, you know what? I feel I feel like a lion. You look like an elm.
0: Thank you so much. Mm. I mean, I, that means I look like Robert De Niro.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly. Well, oh wait, no, he's a cedar. Yeah, he's a cedar. Yeah,
0: but in my canon, he's an elm.
1: Uh, you know what? In all of our hearts, he's an elm.
0: This is the only time me and the Druids disagree.
1: Uh, Never again. Never before.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We will see you next time. Good Good bye. Goodbye.
1: Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Keith Clapp.
0: Our artwork is by Gillian Barfold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals.
1: And you can support the podcast at arbitrary arbitrarypod
0: and find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.